Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, good morning and welcome back to the program. It is The Michael Duke Show. Hello. Good morning and thank you for being part of it with us today. Hump day, middle of the week, downhill slide to Firearms Friday. I can see it from here already. I'm looking. I can see it. I can feel it. The weekend is uh, just around the corner, right? I mean... Well, we're halfway there. What are you going to do? Welcome to the program, and thanks uh, for uh, being part of it with us today. Uh, Today is, again, hump day, and some good news for those of us who have been waiting. We are going to cover a bunch of the news that's going on today in Hour 1, and uh, there's some, oh, there's some doozies out there. And then we are going to jump into it in Hour 2 with the welcome return for um, uh, welcome return of Mike Shower to the program. Um, he has uh, been very busy here in the first part of the year, but finally getting a chance to talk with him, and we will be uh, be joined by him here at um, at uh, seven o five this morning or so, right at the beginning of hour two for the shower hour of power. Uh, that'll be coming up, uh, here this morning. And so we're going to get the, we're going to get the whole, uh, we're going to get the whole rundown on what's going on and talk with him about, uh, his impressions now that he is, uh, uh, back in the legislature in the super minority. And, uh, maybe we'll see if his, his, uh, broom closet is as big as Rob Myers. I mean, I'm still shocked this from Monday, if you go back and watch Monday's show uh, on the uh, live stream from Facebook, you'll see exactly how big an office that they, I mean, my studio here, which is a very small personal studio, is still, I think, larger than Rob Myers' office that we saw on Monday. But we'll get the full rundown from, uh, we'll get the full rundown from uh, uh, Mike Shower here in hour two of the program this morning. So we'll be looking forward. Uh, we'll be looking forward to that here um, today. And we'll see, because, I mean, it, you could the the commentary that came out of the legislature here for the last, um, oh, I don't know, the last three or four weeks as the session got kicked off and everything else was that, um, you know, one of the reasons why they, they, I don't know what you want to call it. One of the reasons why they basically screwed these three legislators was because they got their feelings hurt because the legislators came on a radio program and said some things that hurt their feelings. Mm, they, sure, they couldn't take it. 
couldn't take it. I mean, they didn't want to have their names called. They didn't want to be called out for their actions. Because that's always been one of the things. Well, we just don't call people out for their actions. That's just not statesmanlike. That's not. No, you call a spade a spade. You, you, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you say it's a duck. And you point out you don't beat the person up personally, but you say you disagree with the person and here's why. And that's all that ever happened on this program uh, or many of the other programs that I know these folks showed up on. And um, but somebody got their knickers in a twist. And that was one of the main reasons why that uh, Shower and Hughes and uh, Myers are in. The, I don't know, although I don't know why they really beat up on Rob Myers since he well, <clears throat> I know why they offered for him to join and he said no. I know why. He wasn't one of the bad ones, but he also wasn't going to be roped into a binding caucus. And uh, so it's very frustrating. Very, very frustrating um, to uh, to see that. So anyway, we're going to get the straight dope on this from Mike Shower here in hour one uh, of the program, or excuse me, hour two of the program today. Uh, here in hour one, we're going to talk about um, the headlines and things like that. But let me give you a little sneak peek of coming up on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking with David Haig, who is uh, one of the folks who's spearheading this um, hue and cry about the grand jury uh, elimination, the stuff that's going on down on the peninsula. And uh, it's... It, it, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. We, we remember we've talked about this a couple times with uh, Ben Carpenter, Representative Ben Carpenter, who's come on board and uh, given us kind of the rundown of what's happening. And uh, David Haig has apparently been in the thick of it here. He's been working on this for quite a while. Uh, so we're going to have him. Uh, we're going to have him on the program tomorrow at six twenty-four to kind of give us just the just the. Give me the straight dope. Just give me what's happening. Give me the rundown. Walk me through it and uh, tell me, you know, tell me what's happening. So we're going to get that tomorrow on the programs <clears throat> and uh, and see what uh, it can be. And then, of course, on Friday, it's going to be uh, Firearms Friday. So we're looking forward to we're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll we'll see what we can bring on. Okay, um, well, there's a lot of stories to cover here today. Uh, the first thing that I got questions on, though, uh, and this is this is just me. Uh, reason number, you know, four hundred and sixty-seven. Why you probably should homeschool your kids if you can, if possible, has now been laid out because the Matsu bus workers. The school bus workers have walked off the job. They are striking. Surprisingly enough, not only are they striking, but they struck midday, uh, meaning yesterday morning, the school buses went out and dropped all the kids off at the Masu Borough schools all around the area uh, yesterday morning, and then they called a strike that afternoon. And so the kids were all stuck at school and parents had to scramble 
to um, had to scramble to go back and and figure out how to pick up their kids, which <laughs> dependency on the government is definitely a problem. Let me just put it. Let me just put it that way. Um, it is. I mean, it's just insane. I loved that the comment from the school or from the uh, um, uh, from the uh, bus company. No, I'm sorry, the unions. The the unions was that. Uh, where is the where is the announcement? Something about the um, the safety. Oh, there we are. here it is right here. Um, this is the union release from the union. <clears throat> Student safety is a top priority for school bus workers, and continual issues surrounding buses have not been addressed by Durham. Hours of planning and consideration were spent before the decision of when to start the strike. So it wasn't to basically inconvenience a whole bunch of people in the middle of the day and get them all spun up about it. You know, to to make the announcement in the afternoon as the... You know, after the kids were, or you know, so that people could have a full night to plan or anything else. No, no, no. That had, done. but student safety is the top priority for the workers' union. Absolutely, school. I mean, except for all the, you know, grade school kids that got left at the schools with people scrambling and having no idea how they were going to go back. And I mean, you know, other than that, the school safety is, uh, I mean, that's oh, that's really important. One parent uh, in the ADN article expressed anger Tuesday over the strike decision and the union's contention that they prioritize student safety when their action leaves students, especially young elementary aged ones, without a sure way to get home. I mean, but don't worry. Don't worry. We're all about safety. Yes, we are. Don't just take us at our words. We're all about uh, so this all came about after the uh, school bus company, Durham, made what I guess is known as a last best offer. That's kind of a, a term that they uh, use in negotiation. Um, and they said uh, it, they the Durham actually put out what they were proposing for the uh, uh, for the uh, workers. And here's what it included a wage increase. Of 8% to nearly 14%. So depending on where you were, I guess, in the pay scale. 8 to 14%. Retroactive to last August. So five months ago. Five months retroactive. And additional money in years two and three. So they're going to get a raise this year and next year. And the fall 8 to 14% raise. That's... Okay, $1,500 in ratification upon ratification to each employee, which is basically just a vote for this and we'll give you $1,500. Insurance, they have seven plans to to choose from, and Durham would pay 75% of the employee's coverage. So the employee only was on the hook for 25% of their insurance costs. Fully paid weather cancellation days, meaning if it's a bad weather day, you get paid regardless. Daily guarantees increase from four hours to six hours for drivers and attendants and monitors, and seven hours to eight hours for standby drivers. And then Family Leave Medical Act qualifying hours reduced from 700, uh, reduced to 700, down from 1250, making it easier to access this benefit, meaning 
you only had to work 700 hours instead of 1,250 to be uh, able to use the Family Medical Leave Act emergency leave stuff for family me- for family emergencies. But no, that was not that's not good. That was not enough. Um, and they decided to strike. Interestingly enough, um, the the teachers union, or excuse me, the uh, school district um, had said that they put out that last best um, uh, offer, and according to them, it never got out to the. Uh, it, there was never a vote on it. According to them, the union says, "Oh yeah, we showed it to our members, and it was a unanimous no." But the the schools the the bus bus company was like I I don't we you we just gave it to you how can you strike immediately right after we I mean you did you did you, did you poll or what this is look this is no surprise this has been going on for a while now but uh, yeah I guess I just I I just don't know what to say I mean between the fact that to me it was a very calculated thing to. Decide to strike on a midday, meaning you knew that you took these kids to school this morning and now you're not going to go pick them up. And yet you're citing that it's uh, you care about the safety of the kids when all these kids are sitting around at school trying to figure out how they're going to make it all the way home. Um, And it just it just it just smells wrong. Right. Because that was just a whole push right there. Now, I don't know what the wages are for uh, school bus drivers, but from what I understand, um, and, and again, very basic, very basic understanding, um, was that uh, the wages had had been increased quite a bit. I mean, they were hunting and pecking for drivers. And at one point, uh, somebody had said that they had been offered something like 20-something dollars an hour to drive this school bus. Um, now, if you're only getting five or six hours a day, it's still not great, but it's better than, I mean, 20 bucks an hour to drive a school bus. And now they're talking about full health care. They're talking about a $1,500 bonus for signing, 8 to 14% raises, plus another one next year and another one the following year. Those are all pretty good, pretty good, but it's not enough. Not enough. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty astonishing. But, again, just a reason why I, again, would advocate that I don't have to put my kid on a school bus because they learn right there in their own bedroom and at the kitchen table. That's pretty much it's pretty much what I support right there. That's what's happening. All right. We got to go. We're going to continue. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will continue with more stories on the other side, including the new spending cap that's being talked about. The surprising departure of the Commissioner of Labor. And we'll even talk about Mary Peltola and one of the votes that she just took, which... I mean, it was fish, family, and freedom, right? Maybe not so much. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, good morning, my friends. How are you guys doing this morning? It is hump day. Um, I was just, I saw something when I was going through the first comments here this morning. Anyone see that Hawk Brian was arrested and in Wildwood for shooting his air gun on his property? Where's that story at? Um... I go over to the Peninsula Clarion here, see what's going on. Um, um ba 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 ba. Um, somebody, I guess, should link me the story if they've got a um. Yeah, somebody should link me the story. I don't see it in. Not that I'm, you know, super. Uh, the Peninsula Clarion site's not great, but I mean, he was arrested. Uh, what's the story? What's going on here? I know he was having problems with one of the police chiefs down there or something. I don't know. Um, but I definitely need to figure, see the whole story to see what's going on with that. Um, let's see. David Haig is going to be on tomorrow. Yes. Um, Let's see. So late. I was up half the night with a sick kid and slept in, said Mikhail. Well, I'm sorry about that. I hope your kids are better. I hope I hope I hope they uh, feel better. Um, They called the strike early in the day. Probably the best time, actually, says Daniel. This is what he's saying out here. Probably the best time kids standing on the corner waiting for a bus because the parents are not aware of what's happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, they, what they could have done is they could have called the strike, taken the kids home, and then the next, you know, the strike would have been for the next day. That probably would have been a, uh, you know, a little better deal as an, as a measure of good faith, right? I mean, if I would think I would like, okay, we're going to call the strike and we're going to take the kids home tonight. We're going to let everybody know. Every kid's going to get a handout or a flyer saying that we're going on strike because of these unfair labor practices and you're on your own tomorrow. Right? But, I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, kids are are perfectly safe left at the school. Sure. If you've got a bunch of kids all milling around waiting for mom and dad to pick up. But it's just disingenuous to say we care about the safety of the children. Uh, Anyway. Um. 8 to 14% sounds right, given the inflation the last two years. I mean, who else has gotten an 8 to 14% raise in the last two years? Anybody out there? Anybody in the chat room got an 8 to 14% raise? I'm, I'm just asking. If you said, if you just say raise, just type in raise. If you got a raise, I'm going to scroll down to the bottom of the chat so I know what we're talking about. But just put raise. If you got an 8 to 14% raise this last year, let me know. I'm interested to see. Really poor move by the Teamsters taking the kids to school and then going on strike. Um, new buzzwords out of the school board association questions millions more in so-called social, social, social emotional learning trauma engaged practices. And the 
the what? Yeah, no, that school district isn't the one negotiating. I think I thought I made that very clear. It was the bus company. Um, lost my mind when it happened. I'm a non-union person, but after spending all afternoon on the phone, Durham is not repairing the reported repairs needed on the buses. Workers are not paid for time warming up buses, only the time on the road. Shortage of age of aids on the buses. Wages are $13 and change. All this from a reliable source. Because, see, I was told that they were paying over $20. That's because they were desperate for drivers, and they're like, here's what we need. They've raised everything up to $20. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I know that Jim in here in the chat room, Jim and Jackie, uh, he has uh, driven buses in the past. So maybe we can get some info from him on that. But, you know, what do we got? Um, yeah, there's an old saying, a company gets what the union deserves. Um, okay. We got to go. Uh, just thank you very much. I don't see, I don't think, uh, Bill Brock got a raise 3.2%. Nobody got an eight to 14% raise is what I was saying. Here we go. All right, uh, we were just talking in the chat room uh, here during the commercial break, and uh, Chris uh, said uh, from Twitch said uh, eight to fourteen percent sounds about right given the inflation the last two years. Uh, talking about the proposed raise for the bus drivers, uh, that was the proposal from the school bus company, and uh, he said that's about right, you know. And I'm like, I'm not arguing that that's about right. I I agree. And in fact, I think that's pretty damn good. I asked who in the chat room, and maybe you guys can answer as well, send me an email or whatever, who out there received an 8 to 14% raise this last year or in the last two years since COVID began? Who out there amongst you got... Now, a lot of people are saying, well, we'll get a raise, but I got 3% or I got 2%, and the COLA is 4%. I see somebody said 3.2% uh, for Brian... Uh, you know, you know, the the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District Administration Office did get an eight to eleven percent raise. <laughs> Great. Okay, so again, the the government employees are getting the eight to eleven percent raises. The government contractors are getting the eight to fourteen percent raises. Who out here in the regular old realville? How many of you got an eight to fourteen percent? I haven't had a raise in years, so I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. I mean, the only raise that I've ever gotten is when I did something for my own company or my own business and got something going on, and I was able to give myself a slight raise. But, wh I mean, who out there in their regular job has just gotten 8 to 14% raise right out of the, you know? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, so, it, uh, it it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. So, and then the worst thing is... Uh, apparently, and I was wondering why I didn't see anything about the remote learning option because the schools are still open today. 
They made an announcement. Schools are still open, yada, yada, yada. Well, great. How are people supposed to, you know, uh, they didn't say anything about remote learning. You've got the option for remote learning. I mean, it's still out there. That was one of the high points of the big winter blizzard that we had here where it dumped, you know, five feet of snow in three days. Was that the Matsu School District, they, the kids still had the, the iPads and stuff from when the pandemic happened and they were remote learning. So they still had that. So they were able to do remote learning, whereas Anchorage had taken those back and they weren't able to do remote learning. But where's the comments about remote learning? If you can't figure out how to get, I mean, I, 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 you can't make this stuff up, folks. This is just like the 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 hits just keep on a coming. The hits just keep on coming. It's, it's it's insane. But yeah, I mean, when was the last time anybody you know, you know, eight to fourteen percent, eight to fourteen percent raise in a single year? But that's not enough. Oh, and you're getting one next year. Still not. And you're getting one the following year. Still not enough. And we'll pay for 75% of your health care. Still not. Now, apparently the aides make much less. The drivers are have to make $20 an hour by state law, according to Senator Rob Myers, who's in the chat room. Uh, the drivers make over $20 an hour by state law, but the aides make much, much less. Okay. Uh, and then Terry also said that she was talking to somebody specifically because she was so spun up about this and upset about it uh, that she spent an afternoon on the phone yesterday with some of the folks who actually are working in the situation. And they said and said Durham is not repairing the reported repairs needed on the buses. Workers are not paid for time warming up buses, only the time on the road. There's a shortage of aids, uh, aids on the buses, uh, and the wages are $13 and change. That must just be for the aids. But again, uh, the, yeah, some of those things definitely should be scratched out. I mean, if I show up to work, the minute that I show up to work, I should be getting paid, whether I'm warming up a bus or scraping windows or doing whatever, not just road time. That's not acceptable. That, that, sure, fine, negotiate that. 8 to 14% increase plus 75% of my insurance and plus all this. I mean, again, I I guess what really irritates me about this whole situation, what really makes me mad, is that they did it the way that they did it. Now, somebody said that that's probably the – I can't remember who it was, and I apologize. One of the folks in the chat room said that that was probably the perfect time to do that, probably the best time. Oh, it was Daniel. They called the strike early in the day, probably the best time in, actually. Kids standing on the corners waiting for a bus because the parents are not aware of what's happening. Not a good thing. Well, while I would agree, I mean, if I was <clears throat> if I was king for a day and I had decided to do this, what I would probably do is that I would vote to strike starting the next day. If I mean, I, let's put the hat on and say that I'm going to strike. I would probably vote to strike the following day. Right. Because I've I've it's my responsibility. I've taken these kids out and left them at school. And now you want me just to leave them there so that the parents are in a conundrum and everybody's up in it. And again, it's a union tactic of 
trying to get everybody. This is the same kind of thing that happens around budget time when they issue the pink pink slips to all these teachers. All the teachers get a, well, they haven't finalized the education budget, so I'm sorry we're going to have to let you all go. Wink, wink. We're not really going to let you go, but we're going to give you a pink slip. So then you can go tell everybody in the community how you're going to get fired because they haven't come up with an education budget yet. It's the same kind of thing. It's exactly the same kind of thing. And I guess that's what really irritates me about this whole thing. But again, just another reason why I'm glad that I homeschooled my kids. I'm just, just glad. Um, all right. So, again, I was just asking if anybody else got an 8 to 14% raise on their, on their pay. Uh, just wondering, you know. Just curious. Um, what other stories do we got here? Uh, well, it was kind of a weird thing. And, of course, I love it. The uh, the, the headline. Wait, let me get. Let me, I'm sorry. Let me let me let me excuse me while I pull back over here. So the ADN now has become. Uh, uh, first of all, I would just like to say this. The ADN has become the it's. To me, it's kind of like no longer the paper of record because it's taking them longer and longer to put pertinent stories into the into the into the website. The ADN is like slower and slower. It's like the ADN is now getting to stories one sometimes two days after the stories have broken. They finally show up in the ADN. But so I'm I've been cruising all the news feeds here the last couple weeks. Um, but it doesn't matter because the Alaska Beacon has taken over for the, for the, uh, um, I guess the biased journalism paper of record. Um, the headline is, uh, from a must read new acting labor commissioner, Kathy Munoz. That's the headline. Headline in the Alaska Beacon, Alaska Labor Commissioner unexpectedly resigns for undisclosed reasons. You could tell what the tenor is of the two different stories in case you hadn't figured it out. Um, so apparently what happened is the Labor and Worst Fork Development Commissioner um, unexpectedly resigned yesterday. Just like, bye, bye, Felicia. I mean, just like out the door. The resignation from Tamika Ledbetter's uh, uh, office was announced in an email from the governor's office yesterday afternoon. And state legislators, including the chairs of the Senate and House Labor and Commerce Committee, said they were surprised by the announcement. The resignation handed in Tuesday was effective immediately and a Ledbetter is no longer a member of the administration. Now, the governor's office did not say why Ledbetter resigned. And officials from the administration were unable to immediately provide a copy of her resignation letter. But in a statement that she made from the governor's office, she said, I'm very much looking forward to spending time with my family and traveling abroad and welcoming the birth of our grandchild. The the governor's office, this is from the story, the governor's office did not answer a question asking whether Ledbetter resigned to spend more time with her family. But that's what she just said in the statement. But, you know, and Munoz didn't answer call. A call to Munoz's cell phone was unanswered. I mean, it's just there's this. 
there's this, this whole jauntist eye thing that they they look like like there's a something going on behind every tree and maybe there is don't get me wrong but just the whole tone of this article from uh from james brooks at over at the alaska beacon is just astonishing uh but there's really not much more information than what is putting out there in fact the the story in the must read is just three paragraphs. Basically, it says, uh, uh, you know, gives the history of Kathy Munoz and gives a little bit of the history of Ledbetter. And she says basically the same thing. Um, I'm very much looking forward to spending time with my family, traveling abroad and welcoming the birth of our first grandchild. Um, and then gives a little bit of her history. But I mean, is this as momentous as or is it is it skulldudgery in the background? I don't know, but I just, I didn't laugh. I, ha- I mean, it's almost to the point of where it's just this ridiculous, you have to laugh because it just seems, what? Alaska Labor Commissioner unexpectedly resigns for undisclosed reasons. Well, she disclosed that she was looking forward to spending time with her family. I don't know if that's the immediate reason, but, you know, who knows? Maybe she's got something going. I mean, I Sometimes this job just makes my head explode. Just makes my blood shoot from my eyes. That's where I'm at right now. All right, uh, we got one final segment coming up, I guess. I've got some other stories, but I'm rapidly losing patience with this whole thing. So uh, let's open up the phone line, shall we? 907-433-3150. Let's see if you guys have something to say. 907 433 3150. And want to remind you, of course, that the program today is uh, brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. SatelliteWest.com. You can uh, go over there and check them out, whether you're Minchumina to Minto, Metlakatla to Manhattan. There is no Manhattan, Alaska, but don't tell anybody. Uh, anyway, wherever you are, they can get you connected for texts, for emails, for phone calls, for internet. Satellite West, across the state of Alaska, proud sponsors of this hour of The Michael Duke Show. We'll be back with more right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Evidently, I'm not allowed to use the pellet rifle on my own land because it scares the new neighbors. They are transporting me to Wildwood for using an air gun on my own property. Please help me get out. Oof. Well, that's problematic, to say the least. Problematic. All right. I'm just, I'm reading the stuff here. Okay. All right. Um... 
That's just fine, isn't it? Just fine, fine, just fine. I feel, I feel bad. Feels bad, man. Feels bad, man. Let's uh, go over here and see what you guys have to say about everything. Self-employed, says Jen. No raise in years because people can't afford that right now. I, exactly. The only reason I've really ever gotten is if I switched positions or switched a job, I may have gotten an increase because I negotiated it at the beginning. But, I mean, that's not – it's not happening, you know. Ooh. Um I get $18 more free money than I paid in for 60 years. This show don't tell you a little girl is ever broke. Um, uh, uh, it's not about the raise. It's about leaving the kids stranded, said Robert. I mean, that's kind of what I'm at. I'm not against them getting a raise. If they, I mean, that's fine. You know? It seemed like it was pretty good. This just seemed like such a calculated measure. Again, it reminds me of the whole teachers unions and the things with the pink slips and having it all set up around the time because that's built into the contract. They say you have to notice the teachers a certain amount of time before if the funding is uncertain before a certain date, blah, 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 blah. But they know that it's not going to be ready. They know that the budget is not going to be ready, so they bake that into the contract so then they can parade teachers around saying, why are you going to fire me? Why do you hate the children? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Whoa. Uh, everything just jumped around here. How long is it going to be? I don't know how long the uh, school bus thing is going to be. I don't think anybody knows. Um. It just proves that all schools are daycare centers, says Robert. <laughs> well, I mean, you're technically not wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> Remote learning kids are so far ahead of the district, it's ridiculous. Our 11-year-old is completing high school college-level essays, going to spin up algebra 2 and pre-calculus for the fourth grader. That's the benefit of remote learning. That's the benefit of homeschooling. You can do all that stuff on your own, you know, at your own pace. Absolutely. Um, uh, school, blah, blah, blah. Checking in. Uh, uh, Sandy said she'd vote for me to be king for a day. Oh, I guarantee you would regret that at some point. I'm sure at some point you would definitely regret it. All right. It takes a while for the ADN to spin the stories. They're products of the public education system. That's why it takes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, buses are not mandatory. No, they're not. Shower's office is just a hair bigger than mine. Who did you make angry? That's what I want to know. If you got a smaller office than shower, who, I mean... Let's face it, public enemy number one. Then, uh, I mean, wow. Two things about self-employment. Self-employment tax and capital gains. Oh, I know. Oh, do I know. Oh, do I know that. Uh, that's why I, that's the corporations. Um 
Your office is the size of my first barracks room in Germany. Uh, maybe we should just start swatting liberal figures via burner phones. That's what it might take to stop the BS. They're ruthless and take no prisoners. Was it swatting? I don't know. I don't know if it was swatting or not. Um, um, <laughs> Harold says, if I was king for a day, I'd be dragging out the 1600s wooden stocks and passing out some rotten eggs. That's not a bad idea, actually. I mean, you know. I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, um, the district's letter. And I, I do agree with this, Laura, that the district's letter was put out. That was, we had no prior notice. What well, are you kidding me? This has been in the news for days. This has been in the news for days. I mean, no prior notice. Yeah. I mean, it would be like, here's our last and final offer. <gasps> Let us hold our breath. See what happens. You knew what was going to happen. I mean, that's... Okay, uh, one final segment of the uh, big radio show today for hour one, then hour two, it's all shower all the time. <laughs> oh man, it's got to be good. All right. Um, so remember, remember back in the past, remember in history, remember when we were told that Mary Peltola was all about fish, family, and freedom remember when we were told that remember remember that was a thing yeah me too yeah i remember that apparently that was so far in the past that she's forgotten that a must read alaska is reporting from yesterday that uh mary peltola voted no yesterday on a bill that would have given healthcare workers the freedom to choose whether or not to get the COVID vaccine. The Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act actually passed, without her support, 227 to 203. Nearly all of the Democrats voting against giving healthcare workers the right to choose. Oh, there is some irony there. Some irony there. All the Republicans voted in favor of the bill with five Democrats joining them to do so. The bill, which is H.R. Uh, 497, if passed by the Senate and signed by the president, nullifies a rule titled Medicare and Medicaid Programs Omnibus COVID-19 Healthcare Staff Vaccinations, which is not only a mouthful, makes my head hurt. That was issued by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services in November of 2021. The rule requ requires healthcare providers, as a condition of Medicare and Medicaid participation, to ensure that all staff are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, Biden has already said, even though 
we're going to get into this other story about the COVID pandemic and the thing winding down. He has he ve- vowed to veto the bill if it makes it to his desk. Uh, I mean, this is just, it's crazy. Imposing the COVID shot on healthcare workers is unscientific and un-American, especially as we know now the COVID shot is ineffective at pre- preventing transmission, according to Congressman Jeff Duncan, the uh, bill sponsor. Freedom Works, a grassroots group that fights for personal liberty, said it consistently believes the decision on whether to receive the COVID vaccine should be left up to the individual and not the government. But Mary Peltola, no, she says no. What I meant was fish, family, and fascist. I mean, what I meant was fish, family, and freedom. I didn't mean the fascism thing. I mean, just meant freedom. But no, you can't decide whether or not you should take this shot or not. Good to know, Mary. Good to know. I mean, the people in the medical profession were on the front line of the pandemic for, what, 10 months before there was a, before their first vaccine came out and before probably 10 or 11 or 12 months before the mandate started trickling down. And then you had a shortage of healthcare workers, which was then exacerbated by the fact that you were mandating and some people said no. So then you just spread the burden to other. This whose genius idea was this? Whose genius idea was this? Anyway, you know, I I mean, I don't know why anybody would be surprised. The fish family and freedom. That was that was it right there. Government can mandate what you put in your body. Oh man, the freedom to choose. Okay. So that's the that's the first thing. What was the other story? Oh, here it is. It's been nearly three years since the COVID uh, outbreak was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. That anniversary comes around uh, as most of the world inches closer closer to uh, normalcy. At the same time, there have been marked disruptions along the way of that, at least according to Alaska health officials. Uh, in KTUU, president and CEO of the Alaska Hospital and Healthcare Association, Dr. Jared Kosin said, a lot of things have been unwinding behind the scenes. I mean, you see it in everyday life. There's a sense of normalcy people know how to function i think if you go back to healthcare and you look at what's going on inside our facilities healthcare is starting to in many ways look like it did before the pandemic great that's what i mean we knew we've gone from the pandemic to endemic state right i mean this is just the like it's going to be cold flu season now it's going to be cold flu and covid season it's just it is what it is On Monday, President Joe Biden announced that he would be ending the twin national pandemic emergencies on May the 11th, signaling an end to a lot of special government funding and resources for vaccine development and moving towards a more casual approach to maintaining the public health threat. A more casual approach. That just seems, I don't know if that's KTUU's reporting or what, but that just seems it's a more casual, maybe a more relaxed approach. 
Because casual, I mean, casual and relaxed are kind of synonyms, but at the same time, one makes you feel a little differently than the other one does, right? I mean, it's kind of like mm, casual and relaxed. Um, according to uh, many, according to the uh, uh, article here, many people anticipated that the pandemic would wind down eventually. The changes are confirmed to be ending soon, based on the one point seven dollar trillion dollar spending package signed into law by Biden due to a rule putting in uh, put in place barring states from kicking people off Medicaid. This is just one facet of the emergency going away. One facet of it. The Medicaid part of it is huge because now we've got one third of the state on Medicaid here in the state of Alaska. One third of the state is on Medicaid. According to uh, Kosin, again, the president and CEO of the Healthcare Association, the Medicaid programs uh, essentially kept anyone who was eligible for the program at one point in time on the program. They were maintained in the program throughout the duration of the public health, em uh, health emergency. With the pandemic seemingly becoming more manageable, a redetermination for everyone on Medicaid will be made as it has not been done for the last several years. That redetermination process applies to people who across the country who have Medicaid, and as such, millions of uh, people are expected to lose their coverage on April 1st. Uh, in addition to that, the Associated Press reports that once the government stops buying COVID vaccines, costs are going to skyrocket. I mean, you know, Pfizer has said the vaccine could cost recipients as much as $130 per dose. Free federally funded at-home COVID tests are also coming to an end. And hospitals will no longer receive extra money for treating COVID-19 patients, according to the AP. I I don't see a downside here, do you? I mean, I'm just looking at this going, why shouldn't this has come sooner? This seems to be a, I mean, let's do it. Um, what's interesting is this is all coming in May and that there are currently bills in the U.S. House of Representatives trying to end the declaration even sooner than May 1st. Because what do we get? Today's February, so February, March, April. So three months from now, they would end it. Sorry, I had to count on my fingers. I'm a product of the local school system. Um, anyway, that's that that's that's it right there. But I mean, I guess if there's a silver lining to the pandemic situation is that it eventually had to end. That's the other silver lining. But I could see how the hospitals now and some of the medical establishments are like, we're going to lose some, going to lose some money. I mean, they got one third of the state is on Medicare, Medicaid, sorry, not Medicare, Medicaid. One third of the state. And yet here we are. Uh, I, you know, again, don't build your business model around all that government spending because eventually it will go away, either change or be dropped or, you know, it'll bankrupt the government. And then what will you do? That's the big question. All right. Well, we are coming up on the break uh, and we're going to be diving into stuff and things. Stuff and things, Lori. Um, we're going to be doing that here in the next hour with State Senator Mike Shower. 
It is the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Tomorrow on the program, David Haig will be coming on to talk about the grand juries in the state of Alaska and what's happening with that. And then, of course, Friday is Firearms Friday. more could you ask for? Ooh, baby. All right, so hour two, dead ahead, the Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you on the other side. How does that work? Oh, Michael, you're killing me. How does that work? I mean, say that slowly. Free federally funded. How does that work? Say it slowly. Free federally funded. Yay. Uh, That's how it works. That's, I mean, they just do what they want to do. Um. Oh man! All right, I gotta go back here. I'm having way too much fun this morning. Um. Oh man, it's gonna be nice. Sunrise is at what nine thirty this morning? I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Pitola. Too soon? Yeah, she's already been bought off. Um. Let's go over here. Um, she's a dude. Okay, three Fs. All right. Um, I'm still. I'm just reading some of these things. Um, no more vaccine mandate. Yes, I agree with that. Denim masks. What? Je- jeans? Yeah. Um. Looks like as a woman farmering, I am considered disadvantaged. FSA called me yesterday saying I had COVID money available till me still. Yep, still. Well, Laura, be careful of that. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who was a small business owner down in the peninsula, and he got some of the different COVID monies. He got a loan during the COVID period time, which was great because it was, you know, low interest rates and everything else. But he said he failed to read the fine print and realized that everything that happened, the government had first call on all the money and that if he that he couldn't sell or do certain things with the business until the federal government signed off on it and everything. Beware of all that free money. There be hooks in there. That's, you know, there'd be hooks in there. Um. Great, says Jen. That works for me. Take the cash away. Maybe the hospitals will stop pushing COVID. I hate to say it, but that was kind of one of my thoughts, too. I mean, I'm just, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. And then Brian said Kenny Loggins, to which that's why I said Danger Zone, because Kenny Loggins. Yep, Dozer's going to be back here. Um, uh, 
let's see. Uh, I remember fighting cancer. I had to be COVID tested, no symptoms. If I tested positive, they would not do surgery to take the cancer out. That is insanity. And I 150% agree with that, Jen. Um, okay. Legislature did the same thing with the state budget, blew it up exponentially with the influx of federal COVID money, knowing full and well it was a one-time thing. And now they're like, oh, we're lacking a revenue stream to cover. Oh, this is exactly what happened with the this is exactly what happened with the school districts, right? They took all that free one-time COVID money and they paid salaries with it, a reoccurring cost. I mean, what? I don't, you know. Um, oh, David. Oh, David, you'd think that people who plan budgets would be wiser about the spending, but that's asking too much nowadays. Goes for school districts and governments. David, David, that they're not planning budgets with their money. They're planning budgets with your money. They don't have to be wise about spending. That's the thing. They don't have to be wise about spending. They're using your money. So why should they have to be wise at all? All right. <sighs> Look at that. I caught up with I caught up with the comments. I caught up with all the comments this morning. All right. Well, this is a good opportunity then for me to remind you that if you would like to help support the program, if you enjoy the program, first and foremost, would you like and share? Would you would you like and follow on our Facebook page? Right. Do that. First things first. And then once you've done that on Facebook, would you then go over to YouTube and would you ring the bell and subscribe or in this case, subscribe first and then ring the bell on our YouTube page? I mean, I only need five hundred and ninety six more people to subscribe, which you wouldn't think would be a big deal because I've got like four thousand followers on Facebook. You think if I asked that they would go over there and but, you know. It just doesn't happen sometimes. But if you would be kind enough to do that, that would be fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Um, there are third-party payers, so the sky is the limit with other people's money. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. Where is the Mary Fulp thing at these days? I have not heard anything. I mean, that's going to be a long-term deal. Uh, I guarantee it, Laura. It's, this is not something that's going to be fixed overnight. Uh, I was a little disappointed that even though the AP picked up the story, that it didn't seem to get picked up by some of the major news outlets. Because I thought that would have been a perfect story for the major news outlets. Oh, man. Could you imagine? The headlines would have been amazing. Uh, but no other news right now other than she's seeking, other than she's seeking the, uh, you know, she's got representation now. She's got a lawyer and no, she's not at the rubber room. Um, okay. Look at that. That's it. I got it all. Okay. Well, we're waiting for shower to show up. Oops. 
Oh, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Dukes Show. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in today, uh, as always. I know you got other choices. Well, really, you don't. You don't have any other choice for local Alaskan morning talk radio. You really, you really don't. There's no, there's nothing else except for me. So, but thank you, thank you so much. Um, uh, it's uh, I appreciate that. Thank you for being part of it. Um, on today's program, we just finished up talking about the Ma- the Matsuburo school bus strike and uh, Mary Peltola's latest vote in Congress and the closure. Of the pandemic emergency rules, which is apparently coming up on, um, uh, which is apparently coming up on May the first. That's the that's the that's the word. Uh, and so we'll see what happens there. But in this hour, well, we're supposed to be talking to State Senator Mike Shower, and um, we'll see um, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I'm just going back to make sure that my. Uh, Going back to make sure that uh, my email or my uh, text message, that I didn't have a new text message. That's what I was looking for. Um, Yeah, so he and I are uh, supposed to be chatting here in just a hot second. So meanwhile, while we're waiting for that, I will move on to the other big story that uh, uh, came out yesterday. The Alaska Beacon uh, talking about... The big effort, and this is really the first time that I've seen um, a clear reference to the fiscal policy working group. Uh, James Brooks, again, uh, in the ADN. I'm sorry, in the Alaska Beacon. Uh, and he's talking about Senator James Kaufman's um, uh, new spending cap plan. And... Uh, uh, it's the title actually, you know, again, doesn't seem quite so doom and gloom. Anchorage Senator proposes new spending cap, key piece of Alaska's fiscal plan. Um, and goes on to talk about, I'm sorry. All right, let me go over here. It looks like Mike Shower might be up and ready. There we go. Okay, I see him here in the green room. So maybe uh, Mike wants to comment on uh, Senator Kaufman's uh proposed spending cap, but we'll get into it. But this basically, I I will say this before we jump over to Mike, the story uh, in the Beacon uh, talks specifically that this is really part of the um, 
is really kind of driven by or, I guess, inspired by the discussion from the fiscal policy working group where a spending cap was part of that long-term fiscal plan. Although I do think it's interesting um, that Cliff Grow, the Democrat from Anchorage and a member of the House Judiciary, who ran for office on the importance of a spending cap, said that he could be open to Kaufman's proposal, but said he's not sure whether the size of the cap is correct, and he questioned whether the time is right. Can the proposal advance without the other pieces of the fiscal plan, the other pieces that the fiscal policy working group talked about? Right. I mean, because that because the fiscal policy working group said you can't do just one thing. And they talked about uh, spending cuts. They talked about new revenues. They talked about a constitutional amendment to to limit the draw and to guarantee the PFD. They talked about uh, a spending cap. They talked about all these things, but they said they it all has to be done in combination. And um, that. Uh, I think is interesting that you've got Cliff Grow saying, can it proposal advance with it all the, because again, they said the one thing that they said, and Mike Shower can attest to this, is that they said you need to do all of these things, not just one. Don't just pick and choose one and two. You've got to do them all. Let's go over and see what uh, Mike Shower has to say in this new year and new every, hey, new show, who dat? What are you doing? What's uh, what's who dat? Who dat? New show. Oh, well, who dat? How you doing, my friend? How are things? Uh, how are things going in your world? What's uh, what's happening? Long time no see. I know it's been uh, well. I mean, you know, pros and cons, Mike. There's there's lots to talk about. At the same time, there's nothing to talk about. Because um, what's really changed here in Juno? Oh, let's see. Finance tables. Oh, first, I should start off with my normal hearty welcome to your crowd, but also to all of these staffers and. Um, from the various legislators that will inevitably listen to this and look at the transcripts and come back and scrutinize every word I say to see if there's something they can hold me accountable for, because, you know, we have to be good. So, you know, we could maybe someday be allowed back on a team again. Right. So, Cause I mean, Hey, don't, there, so. don't you dare, a hard, a hard <laughs> don't you dare hurt anybody's feelings because man, that could be, yeah. So yes, we welcome all the staffers in Juno. We hope you're getting every word correctly as you type this out on a transcript for someone. That in jest, Mike, but it's just funny because I have to do. I'll, I'll do that on every show because you know this, it was always years ago. Oh, we don't care what you say, but yet you obviously care a lot about what we say because you watch every word we say. So I just I was I'm amused by that, you know. So, anyways, um, moving on to your topic, uh, it's great to be back in Juno. I feel like being Robin Williams in Vietnam with a Good Morning Vietnam. So uh, here we are. Um, but let's go to your topic because you asked a question about the, you already said it, right? About the fiscal policy working group. Yeah. You know, myself, 12 of us, I believe. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, but, you know, with Kaufman and the spending cap, I made a comment on his Facebook page about it. I said, look, I said, James, I agree with you in principle. The problem we face is that it's not going to get through this coalition in the Senate. Most of them have no interest in a spending cap of any type. You may remember a few years ago, Von Imhoff had one. And as I talked about back then, I think it took about three weeks to blow right through the statutory spending cap. And I talked about it on the floor. I said, what's the point of a statutory spending cap? It doesn't work because we're going to just ignore it. We ignore the law when we want to do something here in the judiciary. The judges have let us. Nobody holds anybody accountable here. Right. So that story law is to me is for the most part is a joke. 
um, because we won't follow this. The Constitution has so far mostly seems to be a hurdle we have not been able to jump over. And most of the judges have, uh, you know, upheld the Constitution most of the time. You notice I'm hedging my bets on that one. So, um, but you said the most important part, Mike, you know, that even Cliff Gross says that, right? I mean, look at who's saying some of these things. Like we said, the fiscal policy worker, you got far left Democrats, far right Republicans that are saying, if you don't pass the whole thing, it won't work. Certain members of the finance table last year may remember that battle and the year before that. You know, at the end of the, the first year of the last two year session and then last year, they picked out just their little piece of it. They just wanted to redo the formula on the PFD right. over five years. And it was going to be eleven hundred dollars, then twelve hundred, then thirteen hundred. You may remember that one. And we're like, it's not going to work because you're only doing what you want to get the money you want to control everything. But you're you're leaving everything else behind. No spending cap, no protection in the Constitution, so it's statutory, which we're not going to follow anyways. It doesn't have any cuts in it. It doesn't have any taxes in it to balance the budget. didn't have any of it. And it's the same thing with people like Cliff Gross saying it. And I know uh, Kaufman is, you know, he I, I know he knows that. He's trying to do the portion of it, you know, that um, he thinks he can reasonably talk to people. I think he's probably naive and is going to learn his lesson about this coalition and the members of it and just how they're going to go along and talk to him until he's going to realize they're never going to move on his you know, proposal and he'll right. learn that lesson at some point they're not going to do a doggone thing about it and they'll probably try to you know placate him for a while it's not going to move right um and so you know mike it's ultimately going to fail the house isn't going to look at this because most of those house members a lot of them are there and they understand that if you don't do the whole thing it's not going to work so what good is a spending cap if you haven't produced whatever taxes need to be, you know, produced to balance the budget? If you haven't put in the cuts in place that are going to drop it enough so that you can balance the budget? What good is it if we don't figure out what we're going to do with the PFD, whatever that answer is, so that we're done fighting about it and it's part of a comprehensive package? So there's no more just picking and choosing every year. How can you ever have stability, Mike, if you don't know what the PFD is going to be? Right. We've had no. a formula for 40 years that worked and we knew exactly what it was going to be. Add that to a spending cap and the rest of it with the balanced budget. We're on autopilot for the most part. We're not there and you can't do it bits and pieces of it. And that's the problem you run into is if we don't do the whole thing, then one, you leave certain groups behind, right? That aren't going to want to vote for it because then they're getting hosed. It's kind of like what's happened to Shelly Hughes and Rob Myers and myself. No binding caucus, right? We said we can't do that because you guys are asking us and have been asking us for years to commit political suicide in our districts. You know it's political suicide for us to vote against the dividend, but you're forcing us to vote against it with your binding caucus. It's almost like it's on purpose because, you know, it would get rid of us, right? Right. You're asking a politician in their district to do something that you know is going to make it almost impossible for them to get reelected. And you're doing it anyways. So my point to all of those different pieces, for some Democrats, they want the taxes, right? For some Republicans, they want the spending cap or they want the PFD solve, whatever it is. PFD is a mixed bag. Long answer to your short question, but this is one of our, this is one of, the, to me, one of the most important things we have to do. If this state's ever going to be stable, if we're ever going to have businesses invest, then you're going to have to show that Alaska can get its act together and can balance its budget. And we can take care of business and we don't and we haven't. And so every year, like Rob Myers put out, you know, we're a petro state. Our budget goes up and down. We have no idea what it's going to be. Right. Businesses don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what our next tax scheme is going to be. We're already talking about it now. What do you think is going to happen, Mike, when I'm watching the Senate and this coalition 
while you know Senator Kaufman's talking about a spending cap, and you got certain other senators pushing a defined benefit plan for all state employees, and that's going to be billions of dollars. What do you think is going to happen to the PFD if they push through a DV plan? What well, do you think is going to happen when they yeah, increase the, the BSA by hundreds of millions of dollars? It's gone. Right. That's always been my problem with, you know, I mean, first of all, spending caps that are statutory. Second of all, and Kaufman's is actually two parts, right? It's a constitutional spending cap and then it's a soft cap that's statutory, which require which would require a two-thirds vote of both bodies to make it happen. Um, but the question is, when, I mean, if the lunatics are already running the asylum, do you think that they're going to be, you know, hand over the keys? They're not going to do that. They've already seen since 2016 when they busted the permanent fund out and put it into the revenue and spending lines. At that point, they're like, woohoo, look at all this money we can spend. I mean, it's what Rob and I talked about on Monday. The bottom line here is, is that we could throw hundreds of millions of dollars at the state government and they wouldn't get any more efficient with it. They wouldn't become any more responsible with it because what we have is a spending problem. And until we address that underlying issue, we're never, this is why I, yesterday I argued with Brad Keithley about it. You're going to put this stuff on and we're going to put, if we put a tax on, on top of this, there's no guarantee that that means that it's going to offset the permanent fund cut, that all of a sudden we're going to get a full PFD because we have these other taxes. They just may take both. That's always been my fear on that. That's why taxes by themselves can't work, Mike, because they'll simply spend it. This government. We'll spend. I mean, I, I will never. I've told you that many times, and I will. I will never vote for a tax. I have not. I have yet to vote for a tax. I think there was a small one that uh, senator from up in the Fairbanks put in a year, a couple of years ago. I voted no, and he looked at me funny because everybody. I think almost everybody voted yes, and I walked over and I looked at him and said, "Dude," he said, "I cannot vote for that until I see a spending cap and until I see us solve the PFD. We're doing nothing but throwing money at a problem that we'll burn through in no time." And there's no limit to it. You can give us right. every bit of money that we could suck up in here. And I just had a, a discussion, not a debate, a discussion uh, yesterday or the day before here um, with somebody talking about that very issue about why would we pass a tax of any any part until we have learned how to spend or excuse me, to cap what we spend. And imagine if last year where people were complaining about, you know, I had some guy call me a pretty nasty name standard. You get used to that in this job about, oh, well, he just didn't understand like last year, you know, and, and then foul language in there, right, about um, because last year, you know, he put in that, you know, for the full, you know, PFD amendment, and he just doesn't understand. And then right after that oil crash, I'm like, hey, idiot, you might want to watch what I actually said. I acknowledge right while that was happening, this could crash in six months. In one year, the oil could go back and down, you could go down again, up and down. We have money at the moment. So I was advocating using it because we need it for infrastructure. And I wanted to put the PFD out there to follow the law or change the law if we can't follow it. But I'm, I'm, of the, I'm of the advocate of right now, we need these things to use them, especially for the people in the PFD, right? They need the help with what was going on with all the COVID stuff and the jobs. But imagine if we had that spending cap, Mike. Ooh, what a concept. What would have happened if we had the spending cap and all that money came in? Guess what? We had a waterfall provision for the capital that would have worked like a champ because we could have pushed that above the spending cap, but just a certain portion would have gone to that. The rest of it would have had to go back into the permanent fund itself, um, and we would have been captain. That money would have been saved for the future, which they always talk about. But strangely, we never do that here now. We don't save for the future. We put it up. And all of those fiscal conservatives, so-called, in that coalition are already talking about defined benefit plan and increase in PSA and all these great things we're going to do. Where are you going to get the money? Yeah.
Who pays? And not only where are you going to get the money, but as Brad says, who pays? Who pays the lion's share of that? Base, you know, as a as a portion of their income. All right, we got to go. Uh, we got to go here. We got to retrain Shower because he can just go and go and go. Uh, hour two continues. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break. Hour one, hour two uh, with Mike Shower here uh, on the big radio program. Um, so what's your shirt say when the government, what? Oh, that's the, uh, when the government fears the people, there's freedom and the people fear the government. Okay. There's tyranny. All right. I'm going to get you one of those shirts that has the, just say no to government dough on the, uh, on the shirt. I'm going to get you one of my new, are you talking to me? I'm going to get you well, one of those. <laughs> liberty i'm like why well, say freedom so. <laughs> yeah exactly uh i'm gonna get you one of those new shirts that says just say no to government dough uh and you could wear that around the capitol and see if people lose their mind um yeah i know <laughs> like from orbit you'll be able to see it so how's it been mike how's uh is is this uh how's your how's your new broom closet um we we interviewed with rob on monday and i was so shocked i was like is that your office he's like yeah I can, yeah, I can reach out and touch each I side can reach, of my arm. Exactly. Right it's like on both sides of my desk. And he goes, and this is pretty much it. And I'm like, wow, they hate you. They hate you so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what's the real irony, Mike, is that in 2018, when I showed up and good old Jake Almeida was there because Dunleavy had just left and hired Jake and the other staffer went with Mike on his campaign. And Jake was just sitting there and I walk in the office in the exact same office that I was in in 2018. That's where I'm back. Same one. Same one. Yeah. A little tiny. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So the biggest part right now is all the pictures of stuff we had up. We we're all sitting against the wall stack. We don't know what to do with them. We had to move them out because they had all this wall space and you, you know, put up family pictures and whatever. And now we're like, hmm. I was like, I can't, I don't even know if I can put up my infamous whiteboard right now to have my whiteboard talks. That's, I'm going to have to figure that one out. Have to get yeah, an, have to get an easel for your whiteboard so you could put it up and take it down. Yeah. No, if it's yeah, man, uh, that's politics up and down, man. Like I said, uh, like I've been saying since the election, you know, they can treat us this way. And, you know, there's a couple senators that are smart enough to not play that game. But like, you know, fortunes rise and fall, Mike. They're old. I'm young. I got time. They don't. Um, and the reality is be careful how you treat people now because they have been treating us really poorly. And, well, and only because oh, we talked on the radio, which we've hardly done anymore because we're trying to, you know, watch our P's and Q's to get along because everybody has very thin skin. And. You know, the reality is they continue to treat us poorly. They did it to us in January 2020 in our districts. They did it again this time without even giving us a chance to talk. Right. They didn't even ask us, you know, hey, could you live with these constraints? Could we agree to these rules? Whatever it is, nothing. No. So, yeah. Like I said, do it now. things change. It's politics. In two years, who knows? We'll see. Like I so, said, some, know, somebody, now. somebody had their knickers in a twist over that. Uh, you know, uh, they got their feelings hurt because you and, you know, this is what kills me. Never, you're you're the most vocal of the three of you have been in the past. But the one thing you've never done is you've never, you've never, bes- now I have, but you haven't, besmirched the character of somebody. You have disagreed and named names, 
and you know what you disagree with. Here's what they're doing. Here's why I disagree with it. Here's what's going on. These are the people that are responsible. But you've never, you know, again, uh, uh, you know, uh, talked down to their character or anything. I mean, but, you know, they don't even want their names mentioned on 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 the on the air or outside of the chambers. If you've got a problem, you need to work through the process. Well, you but you control these other guys control the process. So how am Mm -hmm. I supposed to work through the process when I disagree with you and you control the whole process? How is that supposed to work? It doesn't. That's the point, Mike. It doesn't work, but they know that, and they know they can maintain the power. As long as they have their unethical binding caucus rule, then a handful of them get to control everything, primarily the money and everything that happens, and so all the power is vested in them, not in 60 actual legislators, right? Um, And so that's the way the game is played. And so it's Alaska, and you know it is a frustrating thing to think, oh, I can go in there and make a difference, but you find out that really when you show up, there's not much you can do because, you know, three, four, five, six people out of the whole legislature control almost everything, you know, really in reality. Right. Because you go, well, you're a committee chair. You can do this. Yeah, I can move a bill. Yeehaw. That bill is going to get sent to two other committees where they're going to stop it anyways. I've watched that time and time again where bills make it to a certain point that a committee chair just goes, not going to hear it. Everybody asked about my judicial bill. Right. You know, he can't move his bill because I had a certain candidate saying that last year. Okay, we'll move his own bills. But yeah. um, the reality is the finance co-chairs just stopped it because they didn't want to hear it. So. All right. Hold the line. Hold the line. The Michael Duke show. Hold the line. Okay, back now with, good God, uh, back now with State Senator Mike Schott. Are you trying to make me oh, fall off my chair? Uh, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Mike Shower is our guest, State Senator for District O. Oh. Oh. Uh, here, uh, back with us. And, oh my goodness! Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Oh goodness. my gosh! Here's where it is, um, Mike. So we just talked about the spending cap. We talked about, um, you know, that that's probably not going to happen. And in fact, in the Senate right now, based on the leadership and the coalition and the majority that they have right now, what do you expect out of it? I mean, now thank goodness. I mean, it was the best worst case scenario that we could have that the House was uh, the majority is Republicans in the House. That's really the, you know, the best case scenario trying to hold back and being at loggerheads with the Senate because maybe it'll slow down. Because if it had been the coalition majority in the House as well, there would have been nothing to slow the roll of the folks who uh, are in the big government camp, right, the big spend camp. Um, so, yeah, the only, the only backstop would have been the governor, and he would have had to step up and use his veto pen to which, uh, basically stop everything, and that would have be that's the only thing you'd have, Mike. There would be nothing yeah, else. Yeah, well, and I'll be honest with you right now. I mean, I you know I know you're friends with uh, at the, with with the governor and everything, but I would not have much. I would not hold out hope of that. Let me just put it that way, based on what I'm seeing so far this cycle. 
I don't have much hope that the governor even knows what a red pen looks like at this point. So um, what do you expect out of the Senate this uh, this this session as you sit in your little corner office uh, broom closet and uh, do it? What what are you what are you expecting? Nothing good. Um, I again, Mike, look at the bills that are filed. Look who's in charge of committees. I mean, these eight Republicans handed control to nine Democrats. Some of them are wildly far left and look at some of the bills you're going to see stuff that's going to come out you know back to the you know the stuff on policing you're going to see stuff probably on uh, social issues that you know we were promised by the leadership oh we're not going to avoid those socially divisive issues not from what i'm seeing so i would expect as we go through this um you know it's really interesting mike to watch because you see the bills that are filed and of course i've got mine pre-filed i don't hold a lot of hope that they'll make it through but you know we'll do our best i'm not going to sit around do nothing um, I'm going to stay busy and try to move our bills and help the House members and, you know, work with the governor. Um, I understand, you know, some people have their questions about what Mike will do, but I'm going to continue to work with him. That's what I've got, right? I mean, as was it Rumsfeld, I think he said years ago, you go to the war with the army you have, not the army you want. Well, right. you know, uh, I'm going to have to uh, fight these battles with what we have available to us. And that means we're going to have to work with our House coalition, you know, Republican members and, you know, with the governor to try to stop the bad stuff and see if we can still move a few good things. So there's a lot of house members that have bills, you know, that, that mirror or mimic, you know, what we've been working on for four years in elections. So, you know, we can try to move things that way. We'll do that. Um, you know, I still have my judicial bill filed. I think maybe a house member may take that so we can work on it. Some things that matter. There's a few other things, you know, in the pike we're looking at. So those will come out. We can talk about them over the next month or so, but the reality is, Mike, like I said, I don't expect much. You know, I appreciate what Senator Kaufman did. He's trying to put in a spending cap, you know, because he knows that's important, right? My only my only point to, to Senator Kaufman is that I think that is a naive, you know, position to think you're going to get through, through that coalition, knowing those bodies and what I've dealt with for now year six of being here um, is not going to happen. And it's not going to happen as part of a comprehensive plan. And we talked about that, so I won't circle back, but you go back to what do I think is going to happen? That's just my point of it. I think you see that, and I don't think you're going to see much. Um, but when you look at what these Republicans did by handing the Senate to nine, many of whom are far left Democrats, they control the policy committees, Mike. So the very bills we're talking about that aren't supposed to be socially divisive are the ones that are going to bring in a BSA increase or whatever else, even irrespective of the fact they own Senate finance. And it's almost the exact same table uh, again. What's that definition of insanity? Do the same thing over and over again and think something's going to change. You have the same people in charge, folks. So, of course, nothing's going to change. Um, and quite frankly, the finance table is not conservative in the House either, the way it's structured at this moment. So, I mean, there are there are members on there, but as a, a total body, it's not very conservative. Right. right? So um, you have two, you know, Bush, two of the three finance co-chairs and and both bodies are Bush, <laughs> uh, rural Alaska. And so, you know, what do you think is going to happen when we inevitably get to the conference committee? Mike, I can see these things in the future happening already. Where's the money going to flow to when it's almost all rural Alaska that are the finance co-chairs minus one and and Bush? Okay, yeah, right. So I hope Mike's got his veto pen warmed up. He's going to need more than one probably if he's going to, you know, constrain the spending is what I would expect. I'm looking at the defined benefit plan. That's going to be billions, et cetera, et cetera. So, um. But I mean, look at the policy committees, Mike. I mean, I was actually talking to House members and trying to talk to them and say, guys, you got to line up, you know, a committee that's going to be able to block, you know, the bad stuff coming out of the Senate. And it looks like they did a pretty good job of that. But I mean, 
they're these policy committees are controlled by people like, you know, uh, I was going to say Representative Matt Clayman. He's well left on the spectrum and he controls judiciary. What do you think is going to go through that or not? Going to be stopped by that. Right. Uh, you know, um, state affairs controlled by a Democrat. Resources. Resources. In Alaska, I mean, we live on resources controlled by Democrats, Mike, and they're going to be anti-resource development for the most part and certainly after oil, you know, without a comprehensive plan. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I know it's a rhetorical question, but. You know, you handed control to, to Democrats who are going to want taxes and they're going to want bigger government and they're going to placate the unions with as much money as they can give them. And they're going to uh, not want to cut one dollar of spending. And with the exception of a handful of them that are pro PFD, you know where that's going to go. So, I don't know. I mean, well, you can't predict going to take place, but goodness gracious, you can certainly see how the battle is lining up right now. Let's talk about a couple of the things that are problematic. Um, the defined benefits plan. Now we know that Josephson has passed his and he's called his a conservative bill because it only deals with the first responders. But he's even quoted in the in the ADN as saying he hopes it spreads to other parts of the uh, to other parts of the state and to other employees groups. He that would be his hope. He wants to spread the wealth is what he said. And then, of course, you've got Senator Keel's plan, Jesse Keel's plan, which includes all state employees, all borough employees, all municipal employees. And they all look around and say, oh, no, this is going to save us money. This is going to it's not going to be revenue neutral. It's going to actually save us money because of efficiencies and this and that and the other thing. Meanwhile, we still have a $7 billion unfunded liability from the first three tiers of the defined benefits program that we killed in 2206. Hold on. Hold on. Can I put that on there for you? Hold on. I got that little link here. Can you put paste this for everybody? It's the uh, it's that beachfront property you and I had for sale. You think we can get some people to buy right. it? Right. It's beachfront. It's in Arizona. Yeah, it's in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, it's in okay. eastern Arizona, but it's beachfront property. Don't worry about it. Um that see yeah, exactly. With views of the Pacific from eastern Arizona. This is, I mean, look, I understand why they're wanting to do this. I mean, this is definitely, uh, this is, you know, there are many reasons why. They have ached to get the defined benefits back into the system for years. Uh, but financially, it makes zero sense. And of course, in Alaska, we have that very dangerous clause that says in our Constitution that says that any Basically, if we enter into a contract with anybody on a as an employee employee you know relation, it becomes basically constitutionally binding. So you can't do like Detroit. Kevin McCabe had that article out in Must Read yesterday talking about Detroit and uh, uh, was it Reno or I can't remember what the other place was where they basically they defaulted on their defined benefits. They said we're cutting them back from what we promised you. Sorry, we can't do that in this state because it's in our constitution. The courts would say, well, you've got an $80 billion permanent fund sitting there. You just draw the money out of that. Um, I mean, it, this is a very dangerous road, and nobody seems to acknowledge the danger. Uh, I mean, there are a few, obviously, Republic, yeah. But, I mean, those that are proposing it just kind of, oh, don't worry about that. It'll be fine. We'll save money. We won't make, you know, it won't cost more. I mean, I just, I don't know. How do you... I don't know how you can just look, Mike, I know that they want to they're going to play to their constituents and their base. It's fine. It's politics. Right. I mean, I expect most of the Democrats to 
and some Republicans, right, to play to the base, the big unions and others, and want to do that. That is a, you know, you're, you're talking numbers like that, 30, 40,000, you know, forever constituents. If you get them a defined benefit plan, they'll vote for you forever, right? Um, and there's a lot of power in the, in the state bureaucracy and those people and their unions. So, and the, uh, like, you know, the first responders unions, I mean, there's the NEA, IBEW, AFL-CIO, one after another, right? There's a lot, of, it's not just state employees when you're taking care of them and pushing money their way, they'll, they'll vote for you all day long, right? So this isn't about anything other than votes, Mike. This isn't about necessarily doing what's right or what's best. It's about guaranteeing your, your place in office, right? Because if you placate your voters, then they're going to vote for you. So um, it's the same thing in reverse. They accuse, you know, some of us that, you know, vote for the PFD and try to, you know, follow the statutory formula. Oh, you're just pandering for votes. No, I'm not. I'm trying to follow the law. A little different, right? So, um, but they'll never buy the arguments again. Oh, you're just, anyway. So here's, I, th I think at the end of the day, as we're sitting here talking about this, I look at what's going to happen. I go back to the same thing we talked about in the balanced fiscal policy that we cannot seem to get through this body. Where are you going to draw the taxes from? Oh, we're going to hit the oil companies. Great. To what point? It's already been shrinking, even though we're talking about trying to open this new field and that new field. How much are they going to want to invest here if Alaska can't get its act together? They've, we've heard this complaint from them for years as well. You guys don't, you guys don't follow your own rules, your own laws, and you're, you go up and down in the tax schemes. It changes. So we have no stability. And what's one of the things businesses want? They want stability. They want to know what they're investing and what they're potentially going to return over the next few years and that they have a stable workforce, et cetera, et cetera. Well, our workforce is shrinking, Mike. People are leaving and going to greener pastures because Alaska is losing its mind. So let's go back to, well, we'll tax the people. We'll do California. We'll do, California. We'll do income tax. We'll do <clears throat> How much of that are you going to get when you only have a couple hundred thousand workers in total? And most of those median average is $77,000 a year. So well under half, right? Those guys have a lot less than that. So you're not going to get much money out of those people because we don't have a big, we don't have the California 40 million people to tax or Texas 35 million. It doesn't exist. So you can crush the oil companies, which is one third of what we get in taxes and start pushing them out. And then you lower investment, et cetera. So we're, we're cutting our own throat. You can't get it from the people. There's not enough of us, right? To, to tax at the level of spending is what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, you could get a couple hundred million, but you're never going to pay for a, you know, six, $7 billion government, which is the path we're on right now. Not even close. So where are you going to get the money, Mike? Whoa, well, where do we always circle back to? We're going to take it from the permanent fund dividend, right. right, from the earnings. And if we're not careful, we're going to take it from um, the principal itself, because you may remember a couple of years ago, uh, I think it was two years ago in Judiciary, Roger Holland, we had him on. He was one of the world's leading um, fund investment managers. And he told us that, and he actually said, I asked the question. He said it. He said, the percent of market value is actually more dangerous for the fund's uh, solvency long-term than the current formula we had. Why? He's like, because you draw 5% every single year. And in years when the fund is underperforming or the stock market slow, it's like, you're going to take more money from the fund than you should. He's like, your current formula in the law, as the fund goes down, the payments go down. And so he's like, you actually would protect the fund more. It would, it would be better for it if you would go back to your original formula. This is, this guy's, he was like advising Norway and all these other right. big, you know, funds around the world. So I like you and others on your program, um, the hundred people that watch your program, according to something I heard during the campaign. Yeah. The hundred <laughs> people. Was, he, he, per, he apparently didn't realize that there was radio involved as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. funny. People say things when they're in the heat of battle. I get it. I just think, I always think of some of the comments are funny, but you, um, 
you know, Mike, we have those concerns. And I go back to like what Senator Kaufman's doing. It's it's an it's a valiant effort. It's not going to work. Um, and it's not the whole thing. So it's still not going to solve the problem. Where are you going to get the money from in taxes? There, there's only one real place that we could get the money. That's going to be from the permanent fund dividend and or the earnings of the permanent fund. Um, so I don't know, Mike. I mean, I, I don't I don't expect anything good. And all this coalition that the Senate is talking about to, to baseline your question is the money that we're going to spend. Yeah. And no. We're going to spend more. And we're going to spend more because they've deemed it so. Mike Showers, our guest. One final segment coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. In the break right now, uh, here's the problem, Mike, and this is what I was again talking about with Brad Keithley uh, yesterday, uh, and I've been saying this for a while, but I just I think it just needs to be reiterated. If we continue to do what we're doing right now, which is basically treating the permanent fund dividend like it's a piggy bank, right? I mean, like it's just a fund of money, and so we want more stuff to spend. We're going to take from that. Here's the problem. Because we still haven't fixed the underlying problem that Rob and I were talking about on Monday, which is the uncontrollable appetite for spending, what will happen is eventually they will draw down on the PFD to the point of where there will be no PFD. You won't get one because they're going to take it all. And then because they haven't fixed the underlying problem of the appetite for spending, then they'll come back to us and say, well, you know, we need more. We need more revenue. And since Alaskans really, you guys aren't paying your fair share. You guys aren't really pulling your load because, you know, every other state's got an income tax. Every other state's got a sales tax or something. You know, every other state's got something. So you Alaskans, you we need to pay our fair share. And uh, so now we're going to talk about th- that's That's five years away if we continue down this path. Five years. Based on the growth of spending that we're seeing right now, that's how that's how quickly it, it's coming. Remember, Mike, don't forget, I said this on the floor and I've said it before, too. And, we, and uh, Naresh and I were just going over that yesterday in, in the office because he's looking at all the actuarials for me. Had a good conversation with Donna Arduin since she's back. I'm sure, that's made some heads, heads explode in the legislative building um, and in the executive branch. But remember, somewhere around $100 million plus, and I think Naresh was looking at it's about $120 million this year, roughly. It's already cooked into the books. Just for contract, you know, increases to pay and benefits and things like that. So in five years, Mike, if nothing else happened, no other spending increases, nothing at all. Every five years, you're going to have around a half a billion dollars of government growth every five years. So you got to find a half a billion dollars of new taxes, no matter what you do. And that's already cooked in the books. That's before BSA increases and everything else. They tell you how great it's going to be. And it's not. And so I go back to perhaps the goal of some of them is to break the state because that's where it's headed, brother. I mean, what else are you going to do when you can't tax the population? There's not enough people to pay for the size of this government. You start running the oil companies out because they go, screw that. I'm done. We're just going to walk. I don't know if you heard about the Cook Inlet because, you know, I think it was Hillcorp said, we're going to give you two more years in Cook Inlet for South Central for gas. And then we're walking, you know, based on the, the cost of things. Right. Because uh, that's a contract thing going on right now. So, I mean, it's just like, what do you think is going to happen? 
when you don't have anywhere to get the money from, you're going to basically turn the state into the only people who are going to have money, Mike, are going to be government employees. That's it. The 20, 30,000, 40,000, whatever you have from all of the various levels of government, those are the only ones that are going to be getting a paycheck, really. And they're the only ones going to have money to spend because everybody else is going to be run out of town, right? Uh, where else are you going to get it from, Mike? They were literally taking all of our money and we're funneling into government and government workers. And that's it. We're not giving it to the private sector. That was through the dividend. That was a couple billion dollars injected every year. We're going to take that. Like you said, we're, we're on the march to head that towards zero. But it's going to go through government hands. When in the private hands, it circulates up to seven times. Right. And in government, it's about, what, one and a half, maybe two if one you're lucky. One and a half, yeah, two if you're lucky, for sure. So it's not an efficient use of our money. As Rob said, and we've discussed many times, the structural problems are broken. We are rusty underneath you might have a shiny coat on the outside of paint but underneath that that chassis is falling apart on you it's gonna look like the blues brothers vehicles one of these years at the building at the end where everything just falls off of it and it just stops running that's the concern mike if we don't put a plan in place now that will provide stability that would equal investment and people staying in the state um and everybody taking their you know <laughs> taking their lumps because we got ourselves here and we're gonna have to take some lumps to get here i mean this is like you talk about education that's saying education. We all support education. We need good education. We know it. But you can't do that to the exclusion of everything else. It's like state workers. You can't take care of them to the exclusion of everybody else in the private sector. You can't do that. You're going to fail when we do this, Mike. And it's too much money. Um, and there's no counter check to it. There's no counterbalance. And there's no plan to, to make it balanced. It's unbalanced right now. And what inevitably happens in an unbalanced equation, at the end of the day, it falls apart doesn't solve your problem. So I don't know. We're, we're spinning our wheels. I know it, but it's the, it's because it is the seminal problem we have. Right. What else are we going to talk about until we solve that? Nothing else is really ever going to work. And, uh, and I agree. I mean, it, somebody said something the other day about, well, just essentially I'm paraphrasing here, but they basically said, well, let's just let the wheels come off the bus and we'll pick up the pieces. And I mean, there is some logic to that because until, you know, it's it, and and oh, and, and, I can't remember if it was with Rob or one of the other guests, but basically he said, you know, the first thing, you know, the first thing to admit that you have a problem is you have to hit rock bottom before, you know, like we're talking about like addicts, like, you know, drug addicts or alcoholics. They can't acknowledge there's a problem until they hit rock, rock bottom. And then they're like, oh, my God, I do have a problem. And maybe that's what it takes. Uh, I mean, we can't go bankrupt, but we could sure have a hot mess going on. That's for sure. Uh, hold the line, Mike. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you off the leash here in the next segment. You're going to get free reign to say whatever you want to say. Okay, uh, State Senator Mike Showers, our guest. One final segment of the show this morning. And I just told him that uh, free reign, open line, you know, whatever, whatever's on your mind. We've been waiting for, uh, we've been waiting for uh, Mike Shower to come on again since the beginning of the session in an, you know, whatever unfiltered way that he wants. I know he's trying to be good. Trying not to hurt anybody's feelings, but 
it's inevitably going to happen. We know because truth is uncomfortable for some folks. Um, Mike, uh, Mike, be real clear about that. I will continue. I will continue to shine the light on the unethical and corrupt practices of people in this in the in Juno, and on the policies and things that people are doing. If somebody is doing something like that, I'm I'm going to talk about it. I will try my best to not poke through the very thin skin i've realized and, and it's kind of like talking about trump right i mean people have never understood that guy and i don't care if you loved or hated the guy voted for him or not that's irrelevant to my point they never understood him right because he was raised in the bronx and if you've ever been to the bronx in new york that's how everybody's like they're brash they're loud they're obnoxious they, you know they're arrogant that's how it is mike i spent time there walking around I, i've got friends from there and the thing that people don't understand and i've had to adjust a little bit to this is the world i came from my entire life before this was in the military where we were brutal with each other not only in day-to-day interactions and how we talk to each other but how we debrief right there were no punches pulled because otherwise you end up getting killed right you have to be brutal in your assessment of things and how you are and you have to be able to handle it very thick skin people can say all kinds of things about me like yeah whatever man i don't care it doesn't affect me i move on but people in this business have realized have very thin skin. You can't just say the slightest perceived transgression and they lose their mind about it. Oh, I never talk about Republicans. I'm like, oh, really? You don't talk about Republicans? Because we've heard about being talked about in their districts because people are reaching back and said, did you know this one said this about you at this meeting? I'm like, really? Because they seem to be angry with us for saying stuff on the radio. Mike, they do the same things. The people that are complaining the loudest about do the exact same things. They just do it more quietly. Or they don't do it on the radio or social media. We have been stabbed in the back repeatedly. We have our colleagues, some of them doing exactly what they talked about in their press conferences and the organizational meetings. They've been doing it to us all this time as well. They're just doing it quietly. But we've been stabbed in the back repeatedly. We've got one of our colleagues going around up in the Matsu talking about us behind our backs, telling people, my own constituents, Mike, yeah. that I'm untrustworthy, that I'm hard to work with. I'm like, yeah, you're describing a legislator. It's just not me. Right. You're describing yourself and other people. So. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on with this, Mike. And honestly, at the end of the day, what this really is about, this, this is about CYA. Right. This is about not manning up and saying, I made that decision. I joined this coalition. That's me. That's my call. Instead of doing that and being honest about it, they're blaming Shelly, Rob, and I and saying it's our fault. Right. Well, Sorry, and you, that's, you, that's not stepping up to the plate. Well, so. you said, and you said, oh, they're doing it quietly. And I think you spelled that word wrong. I think it's cowardly because again you came out and did it that's my words not mike showers okay but you came out and you had your say and you said your piece out here in the public on the radio they go to a they go to a private function or some other gathering amongst a bunch of people and they seed these whispers you know oh he's this he's that oh he's that did you know that did you know i mean that's the thing it's a it's a it's you know, it's in the dark. It's knives and daggers in the dark instead of standing out front and saying, this is what's wrong and what's broken and we need to fix it. And you need to own up to what you've done and to answer to people when they ask you questions instead of hiding behind the senatorial, you know, uh, decorum and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we need to have called, we should have been calling people out for years on this kind of stuff. Uh, That's the hypocrisy of it, Mike, is that they're saying the same things about Mike. I got knives sticking out of my back all over the place right now. But, oh, I never said anything about him, you know, to the press. No, you didn't. You've just been slaughtering us by taking our committee chairmanships, by taking our committees, by hurting our staff over the last number of years, doing it again right now as we speak, sitting here by 
putting us back in the broom closet. They've done the same things as Mike. They don't talk. They just act. What's worse? You know, shining the light and telling people what's going on and, and, and pointing to all the things happening or slaughtering your colleagues politically that you have more in line with when the left-wing Democrats are joining with, which, which is worse? On, I mean, tell me, which one is actually worse to do things or to occasionally talk about? And like you said earlier on the program, you said in the break, I wasn't saying, you know, impugning people's character. My character has been impugned repeatedly for months and months and months now by these very people that say, oh, we never said anything. Yeah, you did. You're impugning my character all over the place. I got people, call, I have my constituents calling in constituents from other districts. I'll say, Mike, I got this call from this, this senator saying that you're this, you're that, you're the other, right? I had a former sitting senator from Anchorage that went to a campaign event, um, you know, last, uh, I don't know, maybe October or whatever. I had somebody call and tell me that was there. And, and he, he impugned my character for like 15 minutes, just ripped me apart. I'm like, wow. And I tried to call him and said, hey, what's going on? That guy never called me back. No surprise, right? Right. Uh, so when they sit here and say, well, they're hard to work with or they're untrustworthy, they're describing in many cases themselves or other members, but not us, Mike. So it's frustrating from that part because I expect to see some honor um, and intellectual honesty, and, and I don't always see that. Not everybody, and that's, that's clear. Like you said, you know, I wish you'd have said that in the open. I'm not saying that about them people, and I'm not impugning their character, but it's been happening to us nonstop, which is the part that's frustrating because they're trying to say, well, they're the ones doing this. No, we're not. You guys are doing it, and you've been doing it repeatedly. You still do it to the press, and I've had to talk to the press members about it and tell them, I said, why don't you ask some of these questions? Why don't you ask some of the hard questions of these people? We're not the ones doing anything now. The only reason, Mike, that they would not join with us, and this is the CYA portion, is because they've got a binding caucus, and they know that the public in Alaska is aware of it now. They understand it's a dirty four-letter word, and people go, that thing is bad. I want my, my senator or rep to look at every bill in its total before them when they see it and then make a decision. I don't want them promising anything ahead of time, and they know that. So they know if they were to say, well, we're a huge shower and Myers, we're, we're not going to join with them because they won't give us their vote. They know that's not going to go well. But if they can impugn our character, Mike, and assassinate our character, make us look like bad people, then, the people, well, yeah, maybe you don't want to join with those three. That's what's going on, my friend. That's all this is, is you've got to impugn somebody's character and then you can justify your actions against them. It's that simple. Yeah. So that's, that's really why we are where we are. Let me read something to you. This is kind of funny from we were talking before. A good friend of mine that uh, I know that's uh, um, not in the state anymore, he said, the lack of political and budgetary consistency is the primary reason I pulled out of Alaska. He took his toys and he went somewhere else. He's watching the show right now. He just texted that to me while we're sitting here as we're having this discussion. And that's what's going to happen, Mike. Unfortunately, everything we've discussed here to get away from the what's going on in the Senate is that at the end of the day, if we don't get our fiscal house in order, that right there from a person that was productive, that was making money, is going to take their stuff and they're going to leave this state. What's happening in New York? What's happening in California right now? The people that have money, they're going to Tennessee and Florida and Texas and other places and they're getting out. Why? Because they've lost their mind. They've lost it politically. They've lost it financially. Taxes and other structure and people are going to heck with this. I'm out of here. What do you see happening in the Matsu right now? Even the press has been reporting on it in the last few weeks. People are leaving Anchorage and they're going to the Matsu. And they're like, oh, it's because the price of houses. Yeah, that's part of it. What's the other part, Mike? The part they don't want to mention. It's because Anchorage has lost its flipping mind politically, and they don't want any part of it anymore. So people are voting with their feet in their wallets. And if right. we're not careful, people are going to vote with their feet in their wallets in mass in Alaska and go, I'm out of here. There's no good future in this place. And if you give all the money to the government, 
and you take away the dividend and we don't follow our own laws and we don't fix our structural problems, Mike, people are going to vote with their feet and they're going to go somewhere where the grass is greener, you know, where they have job opportunities, where the, the economy is booming, where they still have freedom. And that's maybe for you and I what we should be most concerned about. And that's and I think we are. So that's maybe right. a good summary for turning it loose at the end of the program. But we'll see, Mike, it's going to be tough. This is going to be this is the reverse of the last four years. Now the Senate is a coalition with Democrats in charge as opposed to the House the last four years. And so I don't know that we haven't done anything more than just change the players in the stalemate. Yeah, we've changed the musical chairs are all still the same number of chairs, basically, when it's That's all right. said and done. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mike Schauer, uh, thanks for coming on board. And you're right, the out-migration thing is real. We're seeing the effects of that, and we're going to continue to see the effects of that. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board. We appreciate you being part of it today. We'll see you next week. Folks, out of time. Tomorrow, David Haig talks about the grand juries in the state of Alaska right here, the Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. Well, somebody's going to be pissed, but, you know, that's just how, I mean, the most. How, the, how are they going to be mad, Mike? What are they going to be mad about? Me telling well, the truth? Well, how are me, they gonna, me telling that they're talking about us and, and calling us exactly what they're doing? I, I, don't, don't, I don't I don't, care, Mike, because what they've done is wrong. But the people yeah. that did, and it's only a handful, but what they yeah. did is wrong. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is a few people did it, but then a few people, but the rest of the people have basically given the wink and the nod and said that's okay by participating after the fact. That's the worst part. I guess the most offensive thing to me was all the news stories where people came out and just said, well, they just, mm, you know, they just don't work well with others and they just, mm, they've just been mean. I mean, that's essentially what they said in, in the, and I'm just like. They parroted instead of asking a, a couple, I listened to some of them. A few asked a question. One of them asked, "Isn't that punitive?" Well, oh, no, it's not really punitive. Uh, you know, that was kind of the answer. And but then, one or two asked one or two questions. But the bottom line, most of the press might just repeated what they were told. Yeah. Well, it, but were, at least Gary Stevens didn't say, "Well, I guess you could see it as punitive." <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, really? That's what it is. Yeah, well, I know. That's, that's my point, Mike. Is that it is? It was punitive and vindictive. There is no other way to describe it. It had nothing to do with personalities or trustworthiness or anything else. It had to do with they had to have something to explain why those eight Republicans would not join with three other Republicans that have 90 percent alignment on the issues with them, but right. would not give our vote. That's all this is. And you look at it and go, most of those eight Republicans, what do they have in common with most of those Democrats? I mean, they're far apart on most of the issues, Mike, but they're willing to join with them over the three Republicans simply because we're not willing to promise our vote in advance. I might vote for the budget. Mike, I voted for it last year. One of the reasons said, well, they won't vote for the budget. We can't count their vote. Shelly Robb and I voted for the budget last year. I think it was Stedman and Bishop Finance Committee co-chairs didn't vote for the, the budget, right. right? Because they didn't like what happened on the floor. You know who told us to do that in the floor, brother? President Machiki. Tell you right now, he said he's like, you guys are going to have to put your amendments on the floor. And it was his, I mean, we actually got his blessing to do it. And they're mad at us for that. So you see that there's so much more behind the scenes people will never see. But you know, it is what it is. You know, like I said, it's it's the structure now. And we'll see if it lasts. And, you know, two years from now, it's going to be different. Things change, Mike. Yeah, so well, just, that's, that's the thing. Uh, you said it earlier. You're young and full of fight. We'll see what happens. 
in the coming uh, in the coming uh, months. Uh, all right, Mike Shower. Thanks, brother. Appreciate all right, it. We'll see you later. Stay strong. Take care. We'll see you. We'll see you uh, on the other side. Appreciate you coming in and joining us today. All right, folks. Uh, we are out of time. Got more coming up tomorrow. Thanks for coming on board and joining us today, The Michael Duke Show. Don't forget to check out the Common Sense Core to help support the show. Don't forget to hit YouTube and Facebook as well. Back with more tomorrow on your own for Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show